0: Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday Sermon Series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. You know, if you're joining us for the first time, for the past few weeks we have been in the Book of Ruth, uh, Ruth is a small little book, a very short, just four chapters uh, wedged in the earlier portion of the old testament and last week um, uh, we have just uh, uh, actually not not last week, and, and we have spent some time and it 's been not, not three times now and Pastor Roland last week talked about the god 's sovereignty, how he orchestrates behind scenes. And while we may not know what's going on, while we may think these are just random happenstances, behind these individual events, God's sovereign will and ways are integrated, encouraging us and empowering us that we are really never lost, that we believe in a God that who is in full control. So join with me right now as we move on to chapter 3. So if you open up your Bibles, uh, we are going to start in Ruth chapter 2 verses 22 and we're going to finish in chapter 3 verse 5 so let's alternate one verse at a time i will read verse 22 of chapter 2 and this is a reading of god's word naomi said to ruth her daughter-in-law it is good my daughter that you go out with his maids so that others do not fall upon you in another field Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maize you are behold he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. Amen. 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 You were never meant to journey alone. In this course of your life, you are never meant to journey alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you were never meant to do this alone. Super awkward, isn't it, that you don't even know the person sitting next to you and you're yelling at that person. You and I were never meant to do this thing called life alone. You and I were made to do life alone. Together, In the same way that God promises to be in us, in the same way that God promises to be with us, and he had remained faithful all this time, he has also called, called us to journey on with people that love us and deeply care for us. And this together life isn't just for companionship. The why God has designed for us to journey together is not so that we would feel less lonely. It's not so that we would be filled with fellowship and excitement and joy. It's not for those joyful moments, but its purpose is for us to be molded and refined in a way that we would never reach on our own. God has designed your life and my life; is such that they are supposed to be filled with the influences and the love and care of those around us. I repeat again: God has never called us to trek along the life, along life, by ourselves. If you consider some of the movies that you love and, in, and enjoy. And often, it's conveying the same theme, of the, which demonstrates a mentor-mentee relationship, like Karate Kid, Daniel-san, and Mr. You guys, this is, I thought about this, too old, right? Come on, old people. Daniel-san and Mr. Miyagi. Good Will Hunting, you have Will Hunting, a broken, kind of aloof, mathematical genius, But he also had the help of Sean McGuire, a psychologist and therapist. Lion King, the main character Simba had Rafiki. I would also add Timon and Pumbaa, right? As goofy as they were, I think they were pivotal figures in the development and maturation of Simba. And Kung Fu Panda, we have who? Po and Master Shifu. Yeah, see that? That's a funny word right there. So even even Po, that you have this rambunctious, like kind of outrageous character, comes in contact with Master Shifu and is guided and is learning to wield his strength and is uh, growing in the ways of building character and maturing. Even Spider-Man, Mr. Peter Parker, had in the earlier the earlier rend- uh, renditions uh, had Uncle Ben with great power comes great. Yeah. These ideas and these lessons would not have come without the involvement of pivotal figures in, the, in these main characters. Whether seriously dramatic or jovial, the consistent theme of the development of a person's character and maturity are always tethered with a meaningful influence of a mentor. In this, the main character leans on the experiences, experiences and the wisdom of the mentor. It's not always a welcome proposition. So it's not always these main characters go out, hey, I need to grow. I, I am eager to learn. Uh, it usually comes with this like accidental discovery. It usually they get partnered up through uh, unfortunate mistakes and uh, uh, tragic lives or even events that uh, they are just really pinned uh, against the wall in rough spots. And in those moments, they get paired up and the mentor comes really... Uh, provides his voice of reason or truth that guides the mind and the heart for them. And this is such an important truth for you and I to submit under. Because again, you and I were never meant to journey alone. For far too often, we have believed the lie, even as people of God, we have believed the lie that We are good enough, we are smart enough, and we are strong enough to do life alone. And I'm here to just kind of um, convey to you in a very serious manner that you are not. You are not smart enough, you're not good enough, and you are certainly not strong enough to do this life alone. And we must not. And and, and that's kind of what I want to talk about in the passage that we have just read in the book of Ruth. And what's going on with Ruth right now? So far, you know, she's found gleaning in the field trying to make a living for her and her mother-in-law. You guys do remember that Ruth and Naomi have relocated... At an advanced age, Ruth around this time is in her early 40s. Naomi probably in the late 50s is not early 60s. So they are well past beyond the prime of their career age. Now they're living as foreigners, and Naomi is too old to work. So now Ruth is out in the field gleaning. That's a fancy word for picking up scraps, picking up leftovers, because by the Jewish laws that they had to drop at the time of harvest, enough for beggars, the widows, the orphans to glean from the fields. And this is what's going on. And And in today's passage, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, is seen offering some sound advice to Ruth that eventually leads to some life-changing events for Ruth and arguably for for the rest of us here. So I'm going to read a couple passages that are relevant here. I'm going to just draw what's happening in this scene here. Verses 22 and 23. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, so that others do not fall upon you in another field. Now Naomi is advising Ruth that when you are gleaning from the field of Boaz, do not be by yourself. "And she's warning Ruth that, hey, dangers might befall you, so when you are out in the field working in the presence of uh, other women, uh, other men, make sure that you are working together with other women. That's a very sound advice. Say so there's no reason for you to. There's no reason for you to be alone. Expose yourself. I mean, that's good advice, isn't it? We're talking about Naomi being very practical that, hey, there are dangers out there. Giving her advice that if you want to preserve your life, the way you can continue to work is that if you are in the presence of other women. Now you move on to verses 1 and 2. And Naomi reminds Ruth, by the way, the field that you are working in, this person, Boaz, is not just this handsome guy. Actually, I, I'm just making that up, but by when I connect the dots, Boaz was not a regular member. He was not a, no ordinary man, right? He was Boaz. He was a man of prominent wealth. He was a man of influence. He, he was kind. He's, and he's handsome, I'm pretty sure. And say, by the way, Ruth is telling Ruth, Boaz is a kinsman of yours. Boaz is a relative of yours. A distant relative, but Boaz in the network of your social radar. Boaz, all that to say, Boaz is a candidate for you to possibly, possibly marry. Ding, 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 ding. That's a big piece of information for Ruth. And Naomi is stepping in. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Ruth has spent time bemoaning her state of being alone, bemoaning the pains of being a widow. Perhaps she was lonely. Perhaps she's struggling. But here we see Naomi stepping in say, hey, by the way, The field that you are working in belongs to the man who is in the network. He's a potential candidate for you to possibly marry. And Naomi had this intimate knowledge of Ruth's circumstances, that she was a poor widow and that Boaz was someone who Ruth could potentially be with. And verse 3, wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes. Clothes And go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. So Naomi tells Ruth, the next time that you go work, put on your best clothes. And please, sh- actually, I should take out please, because, and shower. Make sure you smell good. Make sure you look good too when you are working. Make sure that you're able to appeal to Boaz in case that you are seen by him. These are just very practical ways. If you're sending someone to a date, potential date, is it important to shower? Yes. Guys, please, it's very important. Um, put on nice clothes and smell good. And she says, and when Boaz is finished eating and drinking, says, go, sit under his feet, Uncover his feet. Here, I, I don't think we're talking about taking off socks and taking off shoes. Uncover your feet, meaning take off his sandals and position yourself at the feet of Boaz. It says, and lie down next to him. It's a weird relationship dating game going on here. If we were to do this 2023... You're getting that call, 911, the police is coming to the restaurant that you're having dinner right now. But we're not hating on Naomi and Ruth's game right now. Back in the day, that that was well within the customs of their relationships. Now, was it common? Absolutely not. But in this case, when a woman were to do that, kneeling at the feet of another man and uncovering his feet, that basically meant that here I am, I submit myself under your authority, and uh, by me sitting under your feet, it basically saying I'm giving myself up to be your wife. I, we have to pause here. Was this part of Ruth's plan? When Ruth saw Boaz... Do you think she had wanted and decided I'm going to marry this man? When Boaz encountered Ruth, what was Ruth's what was Ruth feeling? We can't assume that we have to, we have to believe that all of these ideas came from Naomi. Naomi's the one kind of bringing, shedding light that, hey, Boaz is someone within your family network, and she's now encouraging Ruth that, would you consider, why don't you stop being alone, why don't you now make yourself available that possibly that this man will take you now as his wife? Radical, radical advice here. In verse 5, what do we read? She said to her, this is Ruth, she said to her, all that you say I will do. All that you say I will do. Again, I'm not sure if Ruth has secretly loved Boaz a lot. I'm not sure if she even wanted to. Maybe she was content. Maybe she was quite happy in the life that she was living. Maybe she didn't feel as need, big of a need to find another man. But we see Ruth here completely submitting herself under the guidance and the advice of her mother-in-law, Naomi. Interesting. Ruth... As courageous as she was, as full of faith she was, she not only welcomes Naomi's advice, but you also see her being humbled and submitting herself to her guidance. Remember how special the relationship between Ruth and Naomi was. They are in a new land. And remember when Naomi was urging both of her daughters-in-law to go back to their home, homes, right? One of them, Orpah, went home. Ruth fought to the very end. Ruth said, you may want me to leave, but I'm not going to leave. I'm going to attach myself to you. I'm going to go where you go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And if you read chapter 1, verse 14, this is what he said. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. That word clung means join together or hold fast. Kind of commitment and bond, bond that conveys Ruth when she says, where, I die, where you die, I'm going to die. There I will be buried you see a forging of a lifelong relationship so since then all, since then they have trusted each other they have submitted themselves to each other and they they made themselves available so that not only when i have a say for myself say you know what i'm going to humbly submit whatever you tell me i'm willing to listen to you i'm willing to obey Even when it does not make sense, I'm going to trust that you love me. I'm going to trust that you care for me deeply enough. And especially when my judgment is clouded, when I don't have the clarity of mind and heart, I'm going to lean into you. Again, could Ruth have discerned for herself about Boaz Could Ruth have known what to do? Could Ruth have found the courage on her own to initiate, to approach Boaz if it was not for the involvement of Naomi? And to spare you of the suspense, what happens in subsequent uh, passages is that Ruth and Boaz end up getting married. And you have to understand the significance of Boaz and Ruth marrying is huge. This directly leads to giving birth to Obed, who is the grandfather of King David. And as you know, David is a direct ancestor of Jesus Christ. So when you are, of course, God's sovereignty is involved, but you have to understand the involvement and the role that Naomi plays What if Naomi had not had the courage to speak up to Ruth? What if Ruth did not have the humility or the love or the trust and faith to lean into the advice of her mother-in-law, Naomi? What about you? How about you? Do you, in the course of your life, lean on someone? Do you have someone or some people that speak into you? Or do you try to figure everything out on your own? The title of today's message is, Do You Have, uh, Who Is Your Ride or Die? My question is, do you even have one? Do you have a ride or die? Do you have someone that is committed to you? When I say who is committed to do you, have, is there a picture or name that pops up in your head? Without a doubt that you know that that person loves me, that person cares for me, that person wants the best for me, and not only that person is committed to me so that the best will happen in the course of my life. That person prays for me, that person fights for me, not just fights with me, but fights for me. And when I'm in my worst places, when I'm lonely, when I'm lost, when I am indecisive, when I'm broken, when I don't have the strength or will or even desire to stand on my own. When it's time for me, just want to just want to throw in the towel. Is there somebody in your life that shows up at the door and musters up enough courage and speak the truth and be able to speak into me in the way to speak not only what I want to hear, but have the audacity to speak what I need to hear. And folks, those two are very different what I want to hear versus what I need to hear. When I imagine the number, when I look at the number of people that are going to tell me of what I want to hear versus the people, number of people that, I, that can speak and say what I need to hear, that number just differs so greatly. And I'm here to ask you, who is that someone in your life do you have someone who you can have who has complete access to your life i get the whole i'm a private person you know i'm 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 more of a a solo guy you know trying to think of fast like i want to say walker texas ranger that's an old example i mean Rambo is another old one, too, right? Give me an example. Who's a one, one person army? I don't know. It just means you guys are all old like me. Maverick, MacGyver. Oh, my gosh. MacGyver. I actually feel not that old anymore. Someone who has access to you, someone who you feel comfortable opening the door of your heart, and say, you know what? I trust you, come in. Why don't you look in? Someone who knows how you feel. Someone who knows how you think, how you process these things. Someone who you can be vulnerable with. Someone that you can share your troubles and your weaknesses, not just your highlights and victories. Someone who will keep you accountable. Someone who will come alongside of you with their red pen, red marker say, you know what, just edit. And you don't feel offended. Even though the outcome of editing may result in something that you did not start writing. <laughs> but someone who has the commitment and the drive to say, you know what, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. And also someone who comes to encourage you You know what Ruth is, you know what Naomi is doing? Naomi is bringing bringing to Ruth that Ruth has killed and had not considered at that stage of her life. Naomi is bringing vision and speaking into her life of new destiny, the possibility of new calling and purpose for life. Do you have someone in your life? That could step in, someone that you can have access to, give access to, someone whom you can be vulnerable with, someone that you would allow yourself to, you know, please advise me on what I should do. You know, I think we have to remember it's not just Naomi and her old, you know, wisdom and, and loving presence. I want to highlight and Meant what Ruth is doing here as well. It's not easy. It's not easy to follow someone's directions. It's not easy to submit yourself under someone else's leadership. It really isn't. But Ruth does that here. You know, this past week, a couple of my pastor friends and I pulled away for a short three day retreat. Um, we went to Big Bear, and one of my buddies had a, a family member who ha, has a, a cabin in, in Big Bear area, so we had this nice cabin to ourselves for three days, and and, um, and the goal really, and, and one of the guys that, that was there was, um, I wasn't very close to. Um, I had met him maybe three, four times, but um, we went into this retreat with an intention of, you know what? Do we feel okay um, in this space? Are you okay? Uh, uh, my our mutual friend asked me, Scott, are you okay spending the next three days with this guy? I know you don't know him too well. And I said, no problem. And I said, but I'm going to treat him. I'm going to be myself, and I hope he's ready. I didn't mean that as a warning. I know it sounds like a warning, but I, I, what I meant to convey is that there's only one way for us to be close. I'm not going there to impress him. I'm not going there to I don't want to hold back because this is valuable time that I have. And night one, and I think he, he this guy that I'm not as close to, he asked me a couple of questions. I think by question two, I just like I just went all out. Just you know, I think he asked about family and then I just shared Deep things about my family. I think I sensed that it was like, whoa. If, I, I sensed that it was like, oh, this is faster than I thought it was going to go. But and immediately that kind of set the tone. And for the next forty minutes, he would proceed on to talk about his family troubles, <laughs> and, and and then like that just kind of paved the way. And then we talked about ministry, and and, and sadly, guys, unfortunately. <laughs> Majority of our conversations surrounded just, like, how many pastors that we know in this nation, in our personal network in Orange County, are going through some rough seasons. And as we are sharing these, like, and detailing out what's going on, and and we were just, like, both struck with the fear of God and the, like, fear of, like, are we going to make it out? Like, what prevents us? What guarantees? There's like, guys, there's no guarantee. We have to be watchful. And then immediately just kind of led to saying, and kind of promising to each other, say, guys, I can't do this by myself. And please, and I think I said, hey, please, you guys have the right to call me, call me out, speak to me, rebuke me, hold me, refrain me, not physically hit me, though. I don't like But I said, hey, I'm, I'm letting you know you guys have all the rights. I concede my rights to you in that regard. And, we did this, and they did the same with me. And, and, and it's so sad when we talk about these pastors and, and these great leaders. I mean, s- recently another, this past weekend, I mean, it's just so sad. Like, these leaders that I I grew up under, like, learning from, drawing from just a deep fountain of their wisdom and the spirituality, like, it's just crazy, right? And so often, the common thread is that lacking accountability, not letting others speak into them, and guys, we have to be better in this regard, You are not designed to do this by yourself. You and I are not on this battleground to prove to the world, prove to God that, God, I can do this. I don't know about all the others, but I can do this by myself. Friends, today I implore you that you would seek out someone if there is already someone that you could think of that you would lean into with great intentionality and humility and allowing others to come alongside of you. I'm going to read one more verse with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Verse 11 Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. And how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Let me show that one picture here. These are horses. These are not ordinary horses, these are Belgian horses. And for many, many years they have competitions testing the strength of these horses. The Belgian horse is incredibly strong. Unusually compared to other horses, they're incredibly strong. One horse that weighs about 2,000 pounds, so they're bigger than, right? One horse can pull up to 8,000 pounds. 8,000 pounds. Quickly doing the math, I think, put all of our weights together, that's about 8,000. Again, I I make no judgments. One horse pulls 8,000 pounds. You put two Belgian horses together, they're able to pull not 16,000 pounds, they're able to 24,000 pounds. That's a lot of pounds. Two horses. That's not all, guys. Well, we get that. that We call that synergy effect, right? Synergy is soon ergo when working together, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It doesn't make sense. It's able to do something that he would not be able to do alone, right? Now, One more thing. You put these two horses together and you train them months at a time. Upon six months of training, these horses, two horses are now able to pull, not 8,000, not 24,000, but they pull up to 32,000 pounds. I don't know if that's, that's not math, It's not science. I don't know what it is. It's this inexplicable synergy effect that takes place. I don't know about you. When I read things like that, I want that. How do I get that effect? Same thing in the ways of human relationships, in the same way in the ways of Christian discipleship. I think a lot of us are missing out on the synergetic effect. I think more of us can benefit from riding together, rolling together with those around us. Simply, it's better together. David had Jonathan. Moses had Aaron. Elijah had Elisha. Paul had Barnabas. Jesus had his disciples. And Ruth had Naomi. Every one of godly men and godly women throughout the Bible had their right or die. They ran together. They recognized their limitations. They humbled themselves to the leading and the counsel of those that were committed to them. And I pray that you and I today may do the same. You and I would eagerly yearn for that God would provide someone to come alongside of us, that we would trust them, that we would love them, that we would concede to them, we will lean on them and be able to experience something that we would never on our own. Let's pray. And, and let's, let's get right to it. And pray to God. Say, God, is there somebody in my life? Ask him, God, who, who is that person for me in my life? Now, if there is someone that pops onto your heart and head, I would like for you to do the part where this is absolutely necessary. God, say, say, pray. Say, God, give me the humility to open myself up. Give me the faith so that I may trust in the counsel of these godly men and women. Now, if there isn't anyone that pops up At this moment, pray also to God. Say, God, please, make ways so that I don't have to run this race alone. God, bring along a partner. Bring along a teacher, a friend, a mentor, a brother, sister. God, life is a fight. Every day is a battle. And God, in many moments of our vulnerability and weaknesses, God, we want to just call it quits. And God, if by having someone, some people alongside of us can extend that finish line a little further out, by doing so that we may be rejuvenated and strengthened, God, God, we long for that. And God, God, I pray, God, as as immediate as today, heading into this week, God, lead into a season where we can experience the joy of running together. God, in doing so, Holy Spirit, we invite you as well. Speak to us, love on us, empower us, correct us, change us, Because, God, we can't do it without you. Holy Spirit, we give you full permission to do whatever you want in us. We thank you, God. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.